Welcome back to the Chasing Tone Podcast. Today I talk to a very, 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 very close friend of mine who I've known for years and years and years. And if you watch our YouTube channel, you may have seen him play a time or two uh, on generally like Van Halen type stuff because the guy rips just super fantastic. Uh, And he's also a very old and dear friend of mine from high school. So Steve Townsend joins me today on the show and we talk about all kinds of things. We reminisce. Steve's got a guitar in his hands. We're talking about how he's breaking things down, uh, how he his vibrato and exactly how he approaches it, how he changes it according to what style he's trying to play. All kinds of great stuff. Uh, very much guitar related, of course. And um, yeah, so this is going to be a very special episode for me. So let's jump right into that right now. So I remember when I was like 13 or 14 or something, maybe maybe a little bit older. I was a young teenager. And when Scott went to high school with Steve and uh, we'd always go over to his house and be like, Steve, play some Van Halen. And he would like, you know, like 14 years old, you know, pimple faced kid, just totally rip this stuff out. I never had pimples. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you weren't pimply faced. <laughs> I was pimply faced. Uh, you know, totally ripping this stuff out. You're like, yeah, I've been playing for like six months. <laughs> I was like, I hate him. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, so, and then, of course, we lived together for a little bit through our 20s, through a blur uh, in my timeline. Um, and then, yeah, we just kind of kept touch throughout the years. And uh, you quit guitar for a while mm-hmm. and then kind of came back to it. I think we all have done that at some point. All right. Um, I think there's, I think there's a, there's a part where, I don't know, it's easy to get burned out. You know what I mean? It, it is, it, especially when I, I started doing it on a very regular basis and playing out with a, with a group every weekend, which was a lot of fun. And it wasn't anything personal with anybody, but just the, the every weekend grind of loading, unloading, loading and unloading and, you know, and dealing with club owners and, you know, the business. I just, I'm not into, I like playing the guitar, but I realized at certain, at a certain point that. I don't really want a whole lot of anything to do with the music industry and the business. And it's more just about self-expression, creativity, and of course, you know, having the ultimate tone at, the, at your <laughs> fingertips doesn't hurt. So I imagine it gets pretty old, you know, slinging your way in and out of bars or or clubs or whatever. I mean, basically playing the same cover songs all the time. Right. Pretty much, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that did get a little old. Um, and of course we played what people would love to dance to. And some of it was fun to play, but most of it was stuff that you didn't enjoy playing. Like Everybody, lots of Maroon 5, I'm sure you guys play. Well, that kind of thing. And, you know, <laughs> uh, Kid Rock and. Right. Stuff where there's, where it gives you really a good chance to show off like your guitar skills. Right. Yeah. You know we, I mean? we, we did a little bit of Megadeth and. Uh, did you? Uh, you got away with Megadeth in Indiana. We did. Uh, I don't know how well it went over, but it was fun to play, uh, and I enjoyed it. We actually did some Pantera that was really fun. A lot of people seemed to enjoy really? Pantera. But the girls danced to the Kid Rock and the Nickelback, and, um, you know, that's the majority of what we played, which obviously can get very boring mm-hmm. and monotonous, but at the same time, you know, making decent money, having a good time with friends, drinking lots of beer and hanging out. It was a great time, but mm-hmm. it, very I, repetitive. I know. I played. Last time I played was on New Year's. We, we played Luke Bryan, though. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite like Megadeth or no, no. <laughs> Pantera. It's slightly different. It's a little bit there. different. A little right. bit different. Right. Tighter jeans. 
you know. Higher jeans and a bigger hat. <laughs> yeah. so, Shorter hair. Shorter hair. And Les Paul. All right. Um, so, anyways, um, so one of the things that you do that, like, f- totally, like, one of the things I love, and this is going into a bit of geekery, is your vibrato. Okay. So, did you practice your vibrato? Um, and uh, Yes. For a while, um, I tried to put emphasis on practicing several different facets of my technique. Um, obviously, you know, alternate picking and, and left hand work. But I knew that, you know, there was a point when I was really young and I was in a music store and this guy picks up a guitar and honest to God, he played one note. And the way he bent that note, I could tell that this guitar was doing what he told it to do. Mm-hmm. He, he had a command over this guitar and I knew instantly that one note, this guy's good. Just the way he, he you could feel what he played yeah. with just that one note. And mm-hmm. it's the difference between someone bending a note and someone really having something behind it and making it, like I said, do what they want it to do. That mm-hmm. guitar has got no choice but to scream bloody murder because that's what I'm telling it to do. <laughs> But I would sit and practice bends and just bend up and then try to get that note bent up to that note and then apply vibrato to that note with while still maintaining its overall pitch. Mm-hmm. And So uh, you would practice that over and over? I like, would just sit. Like, show me an exercise. That I would do. just sit and do stupid stuff like I would play. Or there were there would be a lick I might have trouble with. There's a lick in eruption that I, I had problems with at first, and I would sit and do it over and over and over again, and it's just this little repetitive. And of course, he does that really fast. And he's just got a lot of, uh, like I said, command over the instrument, and that's what I drew me to just vibrato in general. And then there's just regular vibrato without bending the string but just playing it out you can do it very subtly or very wildly so right there you're kind of going in a circular motion sometimes yeah and that's something i, I obviously stole from vi and his th- feeling there is if you if you're playing a note on the guitar and you literally put force towards the pickups with your finger the note will actually decrease in pitch, almost like you're going down with a bar. And if you bend it back the other way, it'll go up in pitch. And this is very subtle, very slight. You might see it on a tuner. But as you move your finger in a circle, obviously you're bending the string this way and this way, and then moving your finger forward and backward, which in and of itself causes a different vibrato. And you can get a real nice slow, uh, you know, heartfelt vibrato if you will and i would sit and do that with different fingers and try to get better at it and i was never really great at it but you know good enough to get me by but um 
I didn't. I tend to. I think get a little bit carried away with my vibrato with bends. I can't ever play anything as subtle as it really ought to be. I tend to really shake the. I like the the aggressive side. Yeah, of it's vibrato. kind of an aggressive vibrato. Yeah. Uh, maybe I got a lot of aggression. In me. I, I don't know. <laughs> you just want pissed off, dude. I, I might be. You never know. I hide it well, but I'll kill you. I hide it well my, until my, you're uh, sleeping. I mean, if you're not, you know, to me, bending strings is just what makes the guitar as cool as it is. You know, one of the things, obviously, the distortion and the tone and the amp and your fillings about to fall out of your teeth. But you know, when when you've really got the ability to to shake that string and to really, you know, that's when people can feel that. You know, like you said, you can sense the aggression that I'm putting into that. Or you can sense the 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 subtleness of something that someone's playing through their vibrato. Whereas if there's just no vibrato, or if you've been playing for a week and a half and you try to bend that string, you can just tell that this person doesn't have the muscles needed to to really convey what they're feeling through the guitar. Right. And that's what I strive for. I'm not saying that that's what I, you know, excel at, but that's you know one thing I like to be able to do is just express myself with the guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think. When I hear this this Marshall amp all cranked up, you know, in my face and my guitar going through it, to me it it just enables me to to really get more into it and put more vibrato and and uh, emphasis in the to the vibrato. But I'm glad that you like my vibrato. That's a good compliment. A lot of people don't listen to that kind of thing or don't really recognize it. But yeah. I'm the same way. I think that when you hear somebody who's a really really well versed guitar player, or really accomplished guitar player their vibrato is is going to be really good and so right. if they just do one thing and you hear that one note and there's that vibrato you know okay this this dude knows what he's doing right and it seems like maybe maybe i'm totally wrong but it seems like to some people it comes more natural i know with me i mean i've worked on it for a while and it's still not anywhere where i want it right you know it's still it's just always a work in progress. And, and I'm I'm the same way. I, I You know, I like to emulate a lot of different players. You know, I like to emulate Van Halen uh, and and not to a very large degree. I like to emulate Steve Vai. And one of my favorite players is Brian May. And so the, the way that these guys bend into notes is completely different. And when I went through this big queen phase and I was studying a lot of queen, uh, I Brian May's vibrato just inevitably started to rub off on me, and I started to bend up into these notes the way. Show us. He's got this real, and Freddie Mercury would do the same thing with his voice. He would just mm-hmm. bend up into that note real slow. You know, and you can hear that in just about any uh, Brian May guitar solo. And then I learned this little little Steve Vilek. Um, off of uh, an album he did with Devin Townsend. Um, I can't think of the name of the album, but but there was this one little lick that I really wanted to... And he jumps into that note and bends into it so quick, and I had a real hard time with that because I wanted to Brian May it up mm-hmm. into that note, and it just wasn't right. So then I started to work on Just compared to how would Brian May do it? Real slow gotcha. up into it, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're both fantastic ways of vibrato, but I got I got so used to doing it one way, I couldn't do it the other way. So, mm-hmm. you know. It reminds me of singers. 
Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's really like like a vocal. Yeah, type and of that's vocal. why I say Freddie Mercury would sing it up in a we are the chin, you know, and just right. wheeze his way right up into that note. Whereas some people just uh, versus right like the new country it. guys that are right on pitch every time. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> whether or not that's autocorrect, I don't know. But <laughs> no, <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny those allegations. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, very similar to vocals. Yeah. So if you were doing a Van Halen type of thing, how would how would he bend to a, into a note? Yeah, I mean that's an excellent question. I think he's not quite as aggressive as Steve Vai, but a little more quicker on his bends than Brian May is. He doesn't ease his way up into the note like Brian May does. But uh, I mean, you know, I was I was talking to my wife the other day about guitar and and uh, wait, hold on, you were talking to your wife? Yeah, the other day she listens. I don't know if she likes to listen, but (laughs) she hears. So that's good that you have a wife that's open to that. But. but but yeah, I I kind of lost my train of thought there. Oh, sorry. We're talking about uh, different guitar players and Eddie Benning and different vibratos. Yeah, and yeah, what I was saying to her was, to me, you know, you asked me about Eddie's vibrato. Mm-hmm. To me, Eddie's guitar playing in general is is the only word I can do to describe it, is just magic. I mean, his, his rhythms, his wrist, his leads, his bending, his tapping. Th- th- there are so many facets to his guitar playing. And if you really like there's, you know, you have the opportunity on YouTube now or other uh, Internet avenues to listen to his isolated guitar track. And you can hear just bare Eddie, no drums, no this, no, no, nothing, just his guitar. And to me, what I found is, for one thing, he doesn't use, especially on the first, second album, not a whole lot of gain there. It sounds like there's a lot of gain, but I think it's because he's just playing the bejesus out of that guitar he's playing it really hard he's playing it really aggressively but at the same time there's a lot of finesse in what he's doing um, vibrato wise and just general playing wise there's so many little subtle licks that people overlook both in his rhythms and in his leads and it's just like i all i can say about this guy's guitar playing is this just magic i mean there's just this magic coming out of his fingers you know and i've always wanted to be able to emulate him as a player he's for sure been one of my favorite players without a doubt but there's just something about eddie to put your finger on any one thing is not the easiest thing in the world to do right there's and in his licks could be so unorthodox and you just look at that lick and you play that lick slow over the chord that it's over and you're wondering how did you even make that work What's, so give me an example well like you know he would just take these patterns and move them across the strings like if you look at um the ice cream man solo it's You know, it's just this one little pattern. And then he'd just do that exact same thing on the strings, which musically really doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. There's notes in there that are not in the key he's playing. Right. And granted, they go by quick, but, you know, still to pull that off and make it work and make it sound fine, you know, is awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, you just made it total nonsense. You just fell down the stairs and landed right on your feet, and it was awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what it's like. So at the end, every time he plays a solo, you want him to be like, ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's a magic trick. You know, he ought to have a top hat and a cape and just pull a rabbit out of his guitar. But uh, the That's guy's great. awesome, man. I love it. So uh, I remember, I mean, you would you were practicing that stuff, you know, as a young kid. I, I, I remember um, we would come over. And I, I, you probably don't remember this, but I'd be like, play, play something like Eddie. And so you'd play a solo and I'd be like, 
Now play it like George Lynch would play it. And you'd play it differently, but kind of still saying the same thing. And then I'd say, how would Ingve play it? And so you'd kind of take that same lick and kind of like, not transcribe it, but, you know, emulate how Ingve would, would play something along those lines. Was, right. That was, that was a lot of fun when I was younger. Just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's something that stuck out to me that you could take the same basic melody and just change it so, and really sound like, Three different people, right? Whenever you did that, well, I appreciate that. It was one thing I always wanted to do was to write a song that was almost like um, Eddie and Ingve uh, <laughs> doing a duet or something, where you've got uh, clearly Eddie doing this. That's Eddie, and whoa, okay, that's Malmsteen. You know, uh, never did that, but it was always an idea that I toyed with because I liked to emulate Ingve, and I liked to emulate Eddie, and I'm not. I was probably better at emulating Eddie Van Halen um, because I just played his stuff a heck of a lot more often. I got into Ingve later on in, in my guitar playing, obviously. You know, it's not that Eddie's stuff was easy or anything like that. Two-handed tapping is a is a easy avenue for a guitar player to get into to play some really cool sound and stuff without having a whole heck of a lot of physical technique. Mm -hmm. um, you can tap fairly quickly a lot better than you can synchronize your left and right hand and play a lot of the harmonic minor fast alternate picking runs that somebody like Ingve was doing that takes a lot more time to develop i think than uh just a very basic tapping ability that mm -hmm. instantly just sounds cool you know and right. fast and right. so a lot of people use that as that's all i need because i can do this and i think tapping for a long time and maybe what really ran it into the ground and got it burnt out towards the late 80s early 90s was the fact that so many guitar players were just doing nothing but that because they lacked orthodox chops you know mm -hmm. um but yeah <clears throat> you know emulating other guitar players and uh doing my impressions or whatever was always a lot of fun and I, I learned a heck of a lot from all these guitar players and i think i ended up coming up with my own style if you hear me play something you're not going to go well he's trying to play like eddie or he's trying to play like Ingve. all these influences just kind of come together to make me play whatever it is i want to play and i don't usually you know write things out and have a set solo for songs i always like to improv and make things up on the fly maybe have a basic outline of what i wanted to do but in inside of that outline you know it was whatever i felt like at the time hmm. you know just uh trying to be me but obviously these influences would come out but right the two-handed tapping thing i don't do a whole lot of anymore unless i'm playing van halen stuff right and harmonic minor like ingve i don't use a whole lot unless i'm playing ingve or nirvana or Nirvana. He used a lot of harmonic minor, <laughs> melodic minor, and the Hungarian gypsy minor. <laughs> a lot of sweet picking. Kurt Cobain was a guitar master. <laughs> so there's a lot of people out there getting really mad now because we're That's right. subtly dissing their, their idols. I'll give them their money back. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, so <laughs> I totally was going somewhere else. I don't even know why. <laughs> we're, we're lost, and that's great. <laughs> okay, so... Um, the, the, okay, that Ibanez you have right there. Uh, this is my black Ibanez, which some people may have seen on YouTube. Um, what? I, I mean, you play mostly this stuff. You have like a Music Man or something as well, right? Uh yeah, a couple of the the um, Indonesian, nothing American made. They're too expensive for me. <laughs> <laughs> have you like? How do you? How would you compare the two different guitars? The the Music Man and the Ibanez. Mm -hmm. um, because you could. I mean, just because the way you play, it's not that they sound the same. But you kind of use them the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. 
So um, it's not like a Telecaster and a Strat. For not example. at all. You know what I mean? No, they're still to me both rock guitars. I think the Music Man appeals to me obviously because it's a lot like the uh, old Ernie Ball, um, Edward Van Halen signature guitar, and the PV Wolfgang, and the PV Wolfgang. And now the EVH guitars. And the EVH guitars. <laughs> but it's got a different neck radius. This is the Ibanez. This has got a really super thin neck, very mm -hmm. flat radius. Um, the radius on the uh, Ernie Ball guitars are uh, more curved, and the neck is a thicker neck. It's very comfortable, and they play, you know, to me, they play pretty good if you get them set up good. Mm -hmm. um, I think I like the toggle switch on the Music Man a little better, just a three-way switch, and I like the fact that it's only two humbuckers for what it is that I do mostly, uh, which is rock and roll. If I was playing a lot of blues or doing a lot of studio work, I think a Strat, maybe a Strat with a humbucker and the bridge would be the way to go. But the Ibanez to me is really the the ultimate just because of the 24 frets it's it gives me more freedom i can i got a big hand so i can i like to put my thumb in the very back of the neck and yeah, i, I notice that a lot of guitars i'll bump into the horn of the guitar which i think your, is why your knuckles bump into the horn of it yeah right and i think that's initially why steve Vai, you know he had an old carvin guitar years ago that he took a, like a, a sander to this and sanded this out of the way because he probably had the same issue kept getting bloody knuckles which right which may be why that design kind of makes this ibanez guitar look the way it right. does because this is designed you know after the gem series of guitars which right. he, which i guess are having their 30th yeah they just re-released this year mm -hmm. yeah. um but i think yeah. they re-released right or yeah. that, maybe the colors they re-released it's a great right? Anyways, christmas they're... gift yeah <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think that's probably got a lot to do with why these guitars look the way they do and they're so square was because they just looked at that and they said, you know what, let's just go with that and make the whole thing look like that. And here it is. So he's ta he's pointing to the lower horn of the guitar. So it's hard to see on a podcast. Right. But we'll try it. But anyway. So ima that's... Imagine a guitar. It's the lower, the lower bottom part <laughs> next to the, next to the neck. It, it's, it's kind of like maybe the, arm you know anyways so you get my point All right so what about uh so obviously you do more gainy type of stuff yes. uh have you ever like played the deluxe reverbs or voxes or anything like that i mean what's i mean obviously that's a kind of a whole different style it, it is you know i mean than like an eddie type, of, type absolutely of you know he, he for ed you know to get a clean tone he just would back off of the knob Everything's right there. Mm -hmm. For other players, like somebody like maybe John Petrucci or Steve Vai, they're going to have a clean channel on their amplifier, more than likely a whole separate amplifier for their clean tone. Um, and I've always toyed with that idea, but never really mm -hmm. been able to afford doing that. I would love to have something like a rolling jazz chorus or mm -hmm. you know a deluxe reverb or something like that mm -hmm. um, for just a clean tone and an AB switch to AB from my Dirt mm -hmm. Marshall or whatever to clean fender or, or roland or whatever right but uh yeah i've played around with those amps and it's fun you know like you're you're playing little wing or you're doing some hendrixy type stuff and you got a dry pedal or something to give it a little bit of bite um i've always enjoyed that kind of tone especially with a with a strat with good pickups and stuff that sounds great but you know like you said primarily for what i do and the projects i've been involved with and it seems like the bands who are attracted to me as a guitar player 
what ends up fitting the bill is something super high gain and right. louder than a drum truck crashing into a nitroglycerin plant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the same uh, analogy I'd use too. Right. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> okay, so... Um, so country stuff. Your your dad was a country player, right? Yeah, he did uh, a lot of country, uh, bluegrass, gospel type stuff. Did did he ever like? Did you guys ever sit down and him show you something, or you'd be like, "Dad, you're totally playing that wrong." <laughs> no, <laughs> we sit and fiddled around. You know, when we had time, you know, family reunions. Sometimes we'd bring out the guitars, the uh, acoustics, and stuff, and piddle around. But there's so few songs that he knows that I know. Right. right. <laughs> My dad's not into the you know. Halen. Uh, I mean, he's got a respect for it, and he knows, obviously, Eddie was a talented musician, but uh, not stuff that he was interested in learning or, or put any time into learning. Um, so we were limited in that respect, but uh, for a long time, I was actually in a gospel group with my dad and traveled around and, and played. Really? Yeah, for a while, I played the bass. For a while, I played acoustic uh, rhythm guitar, and he played lead and stuff. And so your dad was pretty good, too, then? Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't think I don't ever let him fool you. Dad. Huh? Yeah, I said, don't let him fool you. He'll really? tell you he's not, but he's good. Really? Oh, yeah. So you just got it, honestly. You woke up one day, you're like, I think I'm going to play the guitar. And you picked up a guitar, and you started Eruption. I, yeah, no, not quite. <laughs> no, it was actually a few years. I was familiar with uh, Van Halen's 1984 album just from radio play, you know, because I was 12 in about 1985 uh, when I started. So I was familiar with the uh, 1984 album and... and uh, I had never heard Eruption. I probably played guitar and tried to emulate some of these Van Halen songs for a couple of years before a buddy of mine brought over a record and laid Eruption on me. And just like, <laughs> what just happened? Your um, world changed. Oh, you know, it was different for sure from then on out. Like that guitar can't possibly still work. You just broke it, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, just played the crap out of it. Right. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, would, had been playing guitar for a long time, and I don't, not a long time, but a few years before I had ever even heard anything like that. So, uh, no, I definitely didn't pick up my guitar and start playing Eruption. There was a long time where I wasn't very good at anything, and I remember one of the things that I saw that really blew my mind and just made me have to do it also, besides, you know, Van Halen was uh, Back to the Future when Marty McFly played Johnny Be Good at the end of that movie. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So you I was learned just that. like, oh, well, I don't, you know, I've, I've learned bits and pieces of it. I can't play the whole thing note for note, but I, I remember just seeing that and being like, oh my God, I have to do that. I have to, <laughs> that's just so cool that you can just pick that guitar up and, and do that, you know? And so that's just. So Marty McFly. Marty McFly. Before Van Halen. A huge influence on me, which I believe a lot of that stuff was actually played by a guy named Paul Hansen. I used to teach at uh, GIT, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on that. So what about Ralph, Ralph Macchio? Ralph Macchio was never an influence <laughs> on me. Um, but when I saw the movie Crossroads, obviously, mind blown, you right. know. But I knew he wasn't playing that. Yeah, surely if he could play I, like that, you'd see it more often than one movie. But. I forget who's playing that. I'm sure and it's a popular person. Um uh, I'm sure somebody email me. Well, the tell Neo, me who it was. The, you I, know. I think, from what I understand, the neoclassical stuff that he played at the end, that he actually beat mm -hmm. uh, Jack Butler with, was played by Steve Vai, mm -hmm. who played Jack Butler. Right. But the slide stuff. The slide stuff was Arlen Roth. Arlen Roth. That's right. Yep. And uh, he also coached Macchio on how to fake a lot of the stuff that uh, he was pretending to play. Okay. So you've obviously seen a lot of these kids on YouTube. 
or Facebook or whatever, like playing even the Van Halen stuff or whatever. Right. What's your, um, like, I don't recall, maybe it's probably because there wasn't internet, but I don't recall ever seeing anyone 20 years ago, you know, eight years old and like ripping out this, this shred stuff. No, and I'm sure that technology has definitely played a huge part in that enabling, like I said, because you can go now and listen to Ed's isolated guitar tracks. You can, you know, you don't have to wait for the song to come on the radio to hear it. You can slow it down easy even. Yeah, you you can go on YouTube or any number of internet forums and listen to any piece of music you want. Probably, you know, just a guitar track or just a drum track or whatever. Or you can find a video of someone showing you how to play it. Or you can find tablature to it. It's so much more accessible now than it was when we grew up where right. if you wanted to hear the song you either had the cassette tape or the eight track or the record or you waited for it to come onto the radio right and whenever you wanted to go back and listen to the part you had to stop rewind, rewind. stop playing right. yeah. stop rewind right. stop playing. right <laughs> yeah it was great times <laughs> or if you had a record you could always i mean you know put right. it on the slower Just speed flip the needle <laughs> whatever put it on a slower speed yeah you know, now I've got this little Tascam guitar trainer that allows me to change the tempo while maintaining the pitch or change the pitch while maintaining the tempo, mm -hmm. and it'll do whatever I want. And you can, to a to a fairly helpful degree, eliminate everything but the guitar track or just the guitar track. So, right. you know, there's different cancellations abilities that it has. And something like that, when I was a kid, I'd have seen that and thought you'd brought it from Venus or Mars or something. You know, I thought, you <laughs> You'd know. probably have quit school and be like, I'm just going to stay <laughs> home and practice. Right. <laughs> I would be a much better guitar player today if I think for sure, if I had grown up in an age where I could just log onto a computer and get taught Mm -hmm. by somebody either a really close way or note for note way to play my favorite songs right you know the coolest thing i had you know growing up were the instructional videos from guys like paul gilbert and bruce boyer right and it was fantastic to have those things unfortunately a vhs tape you know cost you 50 bucks <laughs> so you'd go drop 50 dollars on this reh video and you know, I didn't regret a bit of it. I'd right. sit there for days just watching it. Wear it out, yeah. Before I'd even try to touch my guitar with it, you know. Right. But, yeah, kids definitely have it different today than we did because they, like, you know, they go, whatever you want to learn. What what part of the song do you want to learn? What are the different parts of the song? You right. Know? Do you see any downside to learning that quickly? Like, you know, picking something up that way versus... Well, undoubtedly, you know. a lack of ear training. To me, a lot of the stuff that I learned was listening to it and trying to hear what was going on and struggling to find that on my own, which I think paid off in, in not only feeling an accomplished, uh, a sense of accomplishment and having learned this by ear on my own, at least the way I played it, mm -hmm. uh, but also the training that it gave my ear. Um, and I went through a lot of that and I took a music theory class in high school where they would, we would just study intervals and the teacher would say, okay, here's an A note. So tell me what this note is. And you would have to tell her, write that note down. Okay, really? if that's an A, then that's going to have to be a G, right? which it's a G. It's a flat seven. So I started to identify these intervals and just do all this ear training, which in turn made it easier for me to learn these things by ear. Because again, you couldn't just get onto a computer and find somebody to show you how to play it or right. watch the artist actually play it, you know, on a live video. That stuff just didn't, didn't, right. didn't exist. Or even on YouTube, have someone break it down like you've done, note for note. You know, <laughs> I mean, and I mean, there's still, um, you know, some people that it's just not going to like, for example, me, 
I can grab, I can understand the country stuff a lot, but I just can't alternate pick. I just then or sweet pick hardly at all. Yeah, it's just you know I practiced for years and eventually I'm like I just suck at this. <laughs> I give up. It's terrible. Uh, so you know it's just I can't do it. People I, are different. You know, some yeah. people can shoot free throws, and some people can shoot three pointers, and some people are better at dunks. Right. You know, and then some people. That's a, I'm not very much into sports, so that's about the only analogy I can really do. Right. A lot of people, a lot of guitar players, or a lot of musicians are the type of musician that they they don't put in the time needed to to develop a certain technique. They think that eventually someday somebody can just touch them and say the right thing or 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 show them the right lick, and that's going to be it, and they can do it. And that's mm -hmm. just not the way it works. And I think. Like with what you're saying, like the country picking thing versus the sweet picking thing and alternate picking thing. To me, it's the opposite. I, I have a fairly firm grasp on alternate picking and sweet picking, but the country finger picking and the, the scales and stuff that they use to me just don't make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's not a lot of open string stuff that's not really a scale. Yeah. You know? Well, like you were showing me a lick a while back where you used every note in the, you used all 12 <laughs> notes in this lick and it sounded great. And it just works. I can't do that. I need to know right. what the scale is. You know, it goes back to the Eddie thing where you take this pattern and just move it across the strings that he can make that work. You know, it's not something I can just fake and do. I don't, I, where, what do you, what do you, where do you go? What, what are these notes? You know, I don't even know what's happening in country guitar <laughs> playing. I can't do it you know I, yeah i don't know very much about it either but for some reason that at least at least that part comes uh, not simply but easier than than alternate picking like really i'm in like i'm stuck at like 120 beats a minute and i have been you know like i mean what maybe 16th notes or something well so you know i mean I'm, it's just not i'm just not good at it that's all right. So, I, I'm not anywhere as good at it as I once was. I can tell you that for sure. Like you said, I took a long break where I didn't play guitar at all for a couple of years. And yeah, w when I picked one up, it, I might as well have been trying to play left-handed. My wrist or my hands didn't really want to do anything. And hmm. they're still not where I want them to be and where I know they can be. But it's just going to take a lot of this ridiculously mundane practice with hmm. a metronome, which I'll do. You know, I know right. I will, you know, but it's not fun. I don't enjoy it. But that enables you then to pick up your guitar without the metronome, start expressing yourself more freely and more easily. And it, it can get to the point where, you know, it's like riding a bike. When you first started learning how to ride a bike, it's hard. It's difficult. You had to struggle to keep your balance and it was this and that and the other. Well, it ended up getting to the point where the hard thing was jumping that ramp over those people laying on the sidewalk right. and not wrecking your bike when you landed. Riding the bike itself is pretty much effortless. You're not really thinking about it. You just get on it and you do it. Mm -hmm. There are guitar licks that are the same way. When you first learn them, you have to put a lot of effort and pay attention and really make sure everything's nice and even. And then it gets to the point where these other licks are really, really hard. And that lick is... It's just you picking up the guitar and doing it. You don't even, it just comes out of you. It's effortless. You don't have to think of it. You, you've trained your muscles to be able to do that so well that you don't even have to really put a whole lot of effort into it. That way, when you get this aggression, you can really put that into that lick because that lick is just stagnant until you put some feel into it. And your, mm -hmm. your, your muscles have the ability because they're developed to a point to where you can really get your feeling across with just a couple of, uh, you know notes or right. a, a little sequence because your your hands are just so um, developed that it's it just it's so easy to play you can play it 
gently, you can play it aggressively, you can, you know, and everything in between, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is what I would like to be able to do with my alternate picking, you know, just, you know, nice and fast and quiet or, or quick and clean and, and loud, you know. You're pretty clean now, though. Sometimes not as clean as I want to be, um, for sure. There's, there's, so you're, you're nitpicking yourself. I, I, oh, I can nitpick. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm my worst critic. And that's what I think pays off is when you're your own worst critic. Cause if you get 30, 40 people telling you, man, you're awesome, man, you're awesome, man, you're awesome. You're going to start to believe it and you're going to get, you're going to get complacent. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you be honest with yourself and know, I know I can do this better and I, and I need to be doing it better. So I'm not going to get complacent. I'm going to keep mm -hmm. getting my metronome out and working on that, knowing, that eventually that'll be easy and that lick I can't even think about right now will be possible, but really hard. Right. You know, you'll just keep developing and getting better. And Right. You know, I think along with that, your vibrato improves as well because that's just a part of your playing, hopefully. Right. So, do you, uh, obviously, there's different types of vibrato. Bring, not to go back, but um, one thing we didn't touch on is vibrato at the fret versus, like, the wing bar. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, when would you use... The, the whammy instead of, uh, you know, his fingers. Um, if I'm a lot of times playing a chord and I want something real subtle and I'm not, you know, going crazy with the bar, but it would be hard for me to vibrato that entire chord with my right. hand. I guess I'm thinking more like note choice. I know like George Lynch will a lot of times use the bar right. instead of the finger. Not all the time. I would say typically when I want something super aggressive or or um or if my hands are really tired you know <laughs> which happens a lot now that i'm old and weak but you know you'll get to where certain things you play just seem to require this constant you know uh you could vibrato something like that i'm trying to give you an example mm -hmm. but you, you can play a line like that and just keep the vibrato going with the bar while you're playing through this line, which is obviously a lot easier than vibratoing every single note as you go through those notes. Mm -hmm. um, and then the vibrato is used for a lot of tricks and stuff. You're not going to be able to bend um, up to a note and vibrato it. <laughs> while you dive bomb, you know, you can get all kinds of different effects that way. But I wouldn't do that with just my hands, but... Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I don't really use the bar as much as I did when I first started playing. When I first started, it was like, okay, Eddie uses that thing a lot. I have to use that thing a lot. Right. It's fun to play with. And I, now... I have to figure out how to get elephant sounds into every song. Oh, play. yeah, yeah. The dive bombs <laughs> and everything. How, you know, yeah. How can I work that into every single lick I play? <laughs> um, and then now that I've uh, grown up and, and put more emphasis on stuff like vibrato and bending, you know, it's less of a necessity. And I find that a lot of times I don't even use it unless I would happen to be playing a song where it's required for whatever reason, right. or there's a dive bomb, or I'm trying to fake something the key keyboard player did. There's a there's a lick in a, a Billy Idol song we used to do, where the the keyboard player comes up with this big crazy. You know, and I would use the bar for that because just to vibrato that by hand was <laughs> you couldn't get that wacky of a vibrato that far of a distance up and down away from your pitch. Right. So the bar came in handy for that, and it obviously does the the flutter thing, which you can't really do with your hands. But who, yeah, you know, how often do I do that? Not, <laughs> you know, 
I am not the, Steve Vai. No, it's just not the right. way I play. Yeah, no. It, that's the way he plays. Exactly. That's the way Eddie plays. I yeah. found that that's not the way I play. I'll use it occasionally on a chord or on a note or something, if just as mm-hmm. feel dictates. But it's not the way I play, mm-hmm. you know. So let's let's talk about lessons for a little bit. There's obviously a million places on YouTube that people teach different types of lessons mm-hmm. and different types of styles. Where do you uh, where do you think have you seen much of those? As far on as YouTube? online lessons, yeah. I mean, I've never subscribed to online lessons or anything like that, but I have seen a lot of instructional like, videos like on online. And a lot of times when I, when I would need to learn a song for the band mm-hmm. in a hurry because um, I procrastinated all week long and we're having rehearsal tomorrow. Right. Um, I would try to find a video where someone on YouTube, just quick and easy, here's how this guy did this. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. But I do see a lot of, uh, you know, I also like to watch a lot of people play Van Halen. You know, I want to see how does, how does this person interpret this song? Right. What's their take on this? Because you might hear somebody play it and go, oh, my God, why did I not think of that? Right. You know, um, and I see a lot of stuff where people are playing something and showing something and it's close, but it's just not right and and sometimes you know these are the the prime number one hit videos you know mm-hmm. for that kind of for that particular song and it's you're just like okay you're you're that's not right you know <laughs> <laughs> do you do you troll them like type no, them like, no you suck. i don't have time for you that. suck so bad <laughs> no. you should have never got on youtube no i'm sure there's a certain um satisfaction in doing in doing that kind of thing but it's yeah not really. I, I usually i'm always afraid someone will actually be a, a computer hacker and find out where i live and just drop me you know i get a lot of those comments <clears throat> you suck so bad kill yourself <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness no i, I don't I, I try to be i try to be nice <laughs> but uh you know some of these uh kids are just they're teaching you how to play something and they're showing you incorrectly and I've done the same thing. I'm sure on some of my videos, there's guys out there that play this stuff closer than I do. And they're watching it going, no, no, that ain't right. I know that ain't right. And, you know, I don't know any better. And I'm the guy that's out there looking for that video of the guy playing it right. Going, right. there it was. That was it. That's right. And you're going through 10 of them trying to find it. Right. 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 You know, eruption for me was it's been this just ongoing learning process, mm-hmm. just like the crossroads, Eugene's trick bag. You right. know, you, you get your version of it. And then you see somebody do something, one part of it, just a little different. You're like, oh, that's 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 what happened. Right. I've been doing that wrong. Right. I remember I used to alternate pick the whole. I can't even do it now. And then I saw a friend of mine uh, just do it, pulling it off. Just that little pull off right there. And as soon as I heard him doing it, I'm like, that's the way that's played. Right. <laughs> I know that I can hear it. You know right. why I didn't realize that I was totally wrong. I don't know, but mm-hmm. you just see stuff like that. You may not realize it. Like another thing, you know the the uh, the delay dive bomb at the end of eruption. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that that was a delay. I thought it was a dive bomb until right. I heard uh, a recording of Van Halen doing it live. And as soon as he touched that knob and started moving it, I knew that that's the delay pedal right. doing that dive. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just blew my mind. And I've never had a delay pedal I could do that dive with. But well, those are old tape machines. So <laughs> yeah, this a little expensive now, a little hard to lug around. But <laughs> I was around back then. I just never could afford that kind of thing. Yeah, I did see a delay pedal that uh, an analog. I don't know if it was a Boss or Digitech or what, but you could you could push a button and it would hold your repeat 
mm-hmm. and and you could do that. Yeah, and it was fun to play around with, but yeah, I could never hit the right note with it <laughs> for that kind of thing. So so before we we pack up and go for the day, can you do me a favor? Sure. Can you play Eruption for everybody uh, all the way through? I will see what I can do. I'm putting you on the spot. I you know. are putting me on the spot. I'm a little uh, little out of touch here. Can I stand up and play it? Yeah. Let me stand up. Yeah, stand, stand up. That's a delay pedal. Yeah. No, it's not. It's a whammy bar. All right, cool, man. Well, thanks for coming this week. Appreciate you having out here. I appreciate you having me out, Brian. It's been fantastic. It's been great. All right, we'll see you soon. Thank you. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you have any questions or comments, you can simply email podcast at wamplerpedals.com or you can just shoot me a Facebook message as well or post on our Facebook tone group uh, there on Facebook. If you have any questions for Steve, uh, I can probably forward them to him. So you can shoot those to me at podcastofwamperpedals.com as well. And I'll, uh, I'll get those to him. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.